0: Hey guys, good morning. morning. Guys, good to see you today. These, uh, These couple of weeks surrounding today, what we've been looking at is these why questions that fill the Bible, and specifically why questions that God asks us. Because what it seems like when you read the Bible is that God is equally confused by us as we are by him. Now, I stated this last week, but it needs repeating I know some of you, when I say that God gets confused by us, immediately start putting up the challenges, and you immediately start railing back on, wait a minute, God knows everything. How can God be confused about anything? I don't know. But I do know that when you see the narrative of the Bible, you see a God in heaven who is looking down at earth at people going like this. Guys, I just don't get it why and these few weeks of october what we're doing is looking at some of those times when god has thrown his hands up in the air going why last week we looked at this this why question of god the first one in the bible when god says why are you so angry today we're looking at one that i think is probably more pervasive and a little bit more universal. Why do you worry? Let me read to you from Jesus. This is Luke chapter 12. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. I mean, consider the ravens. Consider the ravens. Think about the birds for a minute. They don't sow or reap, do they? They have no storeroom or barns. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Can you? No, but I can certainly take a few away, right? Jesus says, since you can't even do this very little thing, worrying enough to add a single hour to you, you can't even do this little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And consider how the lilies grow. Think about the flowers of the field, okay? They don't labor. They don't spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire how much more will he clothe you, O oh you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or do not worry about it because the pagans run after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has pleased has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Has it ever struck you how happy Jesus seemed to be? Now, I know according to the prophet Isaiah, he's a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, and I don't mean to suggest that Isaiah is in some way one, or excuse me, that Jesus is in some way one dimensional. I mean, Jesus got angry, Jesus got sad. Jesus was not immune to the suffering of others, and he seemed to carry the burden of others and knew full well the cosmic scope of this world. And let's not forget the Garden of Gethsemane either. Jesus knew what overwhelming anxiety felt like. But it's notable to me that what seems absent from Jesus is a chronic, pervasive Sense of worry. Now, we've got to assume when Jesus teaches stuff like this to his disciples, telling them, do not worry, that he wasn't a hypocrite about it. That he actually led this by example in some kind of way from the experience of his own life and how he saw God provide. But it's ironic to me because Jesus, I think, more than anyone, had a lot. To worry about. I mean, think about this. From the time he was prenatal, things were a mess already. I'm being born to an unwed mother. We're traveling on the road at nine months of pregnancy, and I ain't gonna be born in a hospital. This ain't gonna be sanitary, this isn't gonna be clean. And shortly after I'm born, the ruler wants me dead, and I've gotta flee and the guy isn't even two years old yet. He knew what it was like to have to live as a refugee in a foreign place on the run with all of the struggles that that entails. He knew what it was like when he came back to have to live in hiding because the son of that dad who wanted him killed was now reigning in his place. He knew what the struggle of living as a peasant carpenter was in Nazareth. He knew the struggle of being an itinerant prophet. He knew what it was like to have every move scrutinized every move questioned and examined, especially by those who were in positions of clout and authority. He knew what it was like to have people who wanted him out of the way and wanted him dead. He knew what it was like for people to misunderstand him. He knew what it was like to have his followers walk away. Jesus had plenty to worry about. And yet, what seems so notably absent from his life is this pervasive, chronic sense of worry. Because, time and time again, what did he see? God provided. God was there. He had this strange ability, it seemed, to live in the moment and the present to its fullness. Without this obsession and fear of everything out there that there is in this world and in our lives to be afraid of. It strikes me, despite some of this like classic artwork you might see, how happy a person Jesus seemed to be and here 's the struggle for us. I think for us, worry is like breathing isn 't it I mean you know you, you could take all these classic love songs of, of, of the past, right? And just substitute in the word worry, and I think it's true. Worry is like oxygen. Worry is a many-splendored thing. Worry lifts us up where we belong. All you need is worry. I thought worry was only true in fairy tales, right? Is this your life? Right? And then when we find ourselves not worrying, do you find yourself catching yourself going, shoot, I must have forgotten something that I need to be worrying about? But the challenge of Jesus is this. It's this time and time again. And I got to ask you here Do you actually think that God is good? Now don't rush that one. Do you actually believe it? Do you think that this God in heaven? is actually good? Not cold-hearted, not distant, not cruel or mean or angry. Do you believe he's actually good? Furthermore, do you actually believe he's involved? Do you actually believe he delights in getting his hands dirty in this thing called humanity? Humanity. And being intimately involved in the course of this world, and I don't just mean at a global scale, I mean at the most local, small, individual scale that even touches the lives of birds and lilies. Do you believe that? And do you believe that God likes to give? Or do you think that God is tight-fisted, miserly Scrooge, swimming in his gold piles in his secret vault while the rest of us are doomed to suffer? Or do you believe he is a God who delights in giving good things? Because I'll tell you, the answers to those questions, and I don't mean the test answers. I mean the answers in your soul to those questions are going to make all the difference in the world with this question right here. Why do you worry? Because the fundamental question, I think, God is asking is this. Do you trust him? Do you actually trust him? I think God, just as much as sitting in heaven with his hands out like this, going, guys, what, what, what more? What? Do you trust me? And that's the fundamental question I think we need to face today. Because there's so many things that occupy our souls and bring us to worry. Let's talk about a few and just see what God has to say. Here's a classic, money. I don't need a show of hands, but who here is ever worried about money, or maybe better put, the lack thereof, right? Do you know God's solution to this issue? You're not going to like it, but let me read it anyway. This is what God says to people in the Old Testament who are worrying and who are, "Mm, how are we going to, he says this, oh, okay, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse That there may be food in my house, test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room for it. It's like God saying this, do you feel like you don't have enough? Well then trust me, give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me Abel style like we talked about last week. The fat and the first. What sense does that make? God is asking. Do you trust me? Do you actually trust that I will provide for you? Or do you think it all hangs on you? It's nasty stuff, isn't it? A lot of you here today, you're in the midst of something thick. There's some kind of struggle or conflict that you're immersed into. It's like a baptism. And it's consuming your thought and your sleep and your heart And you spend your days and your energies worrying, believe me, I've been there. I remember one time in in my life when I think I was at the height of my struggles with, with deep seated anxiety, going to one of my pastors because it became intolerable for me. And it was a guy named Stan Harding. And he sat me down and he said, Dave, you're in a forge. I don't know why, but you're in a forge right now. And the forge is hot, and it's hard, and you get smashed with a hammer a whole heck of a lot. He said, Dave, I don't know why you're in this forge today, but I tell you this, God is honing you. God is doing something through this that is unpleasant as it might seem is ultimately for something greater by far, and you are going to come out strong and sharp and bright. I think of what Paul writes when he says this. Listen to these words. He writes, We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. We rejoice in our sufferings. I'm going to do it again. (laughs) Right? Really? Really? Do you ever find yourself... God, I really don't need this much character. (laughs) But do you hear what God is saying through your current struggle? Do you trust me? Do you? Where you're at here today, do you trust him? That he is good, that he is involved, and that he loves To give, or if you're like me, you worry less about the present and more about the future. It's the great what if, the great what if that has a thousand heads, each rearing up, giving worst case scenarios or slim possibilities, or at times even arguably probable ones frightening, because it'll hurt, and it can result in loss, and the future can leave us paralyzed. But then I start to think about what God actually promises, about the future, and the only thing certain about it. Of all the things that we can speculate and try to guess about what the future is going to hold, this one is certain from here that Jesus is going to return, that he is going to set all things right, and that will mean forgiveness and renewal and restoration and paradise with him forever. Ooh, now that's scary, right? I catch myself in these times when I'm, I'm bowing before the great what if, realizing what God has actually had to say. I love how the writer Paul puts this who he says, who, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Think of every possible future scenario can trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Can they? No, he says. Hear this, guys. He says, no, we are more than conquerors over all these things that scare us of what's to come. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, drop the mic, walk off stage, worry has no place. Do you hear God asking you today? Do you trust me? Because the fundamental answer you give to that question. Will make all the difference in an anxiety ridden versus an anxiety free life. And this is the classic challenge of Jesus to each of us. The classic challenge in, in this question why do you worry? Echoing underneath, simply going, do you trust that God is in fact good, God is in fact involved, and God loves to give? Because what I found is the answer to that question makes all the difference. See, worry is really nothing more than the rotten fruit of a doubting spirit. But the New Testament invites us with other words instead. I love how Peter puts it. You worried? God knows. Cast all your anxiety on him. Just cast it on him. Because he cares for you. And it's there that he invites each of us to know his soul and character better today. None of this is to indicate that the things that we worry about don't matter. They most certainly do. And they do to God as well. But it's an invitation to trust him with those things that matter. Nonetheless, to seek him first and know that he's in the process. And guys, I don't want you to hear me saying that this is easy. It most certainly is not. The things that we face take a grip on our soul. And some of us have lived in a chronic state of anxiety for so long that we almost don't know what life looks like without it. But wherever you're at with that, it's okay. Just start with that step today of seeking that God that invites you to say, your worry is better with me. So what I want to do is, um, I'm going to invite the band forward, and as they come forward, I, I want to invite you to rise, and um, yeah, you can go ahead, and, and I want us to pray, but I want to pray in a slightly different kind of way. I find that sometimes posture matters. And what I want you to do is dare to open your heart and dare to open yourself to God today. And if you could put your hands simply like this. So you pray like this, it looks like you're keeping them away. You're going to punch him, right? No. Go right here. And if you would, just give yourself that quiet space. Close your eyes if you want. Do what you like. But just repeat these words after me. Lord, I worry. Lord, I struggle to trust you. Lord, I struggle to find you in this place. place. Forgive me. me. Fill me Fill me with your spirit, I pray. Move me to trust you. To cast my worry upon you, to to know that you are good, good. involved, Involved. and love to give. give. Draw my heart to yours today. Amen. Trust that He will. Trust that he can. Trust that he does. I don't know what other baggage you carry here today, but here at Fellowship of Faith, we believe it's important to take it and to be honest about it, to confess it, to give it to God. Now, whatever else you're carrying, I want to invite you for maybe another minute or two to just wrestle with God in that place and ultimately hand it over to him and then we'll pray together again. Pray with me. I confess to God Almighty before all of heaven and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned in thought, word, and deed by my fault, by my own fault, by my own most grievous fault. God Almighty, have mercy on me. Forgive me all my sins. Bring me from death to life. God sent his son to die for you. That's how good he is. God sent his son to die for you. That's how involved he is. God sent his son to die for you. That's how much he delights to give. Oh, take hold of that. Trust it. Anchor your life upon it and revel in the forgiveness and goodness and grace. That are His gift to you today.